Kia ora and welcome to the Creative Matters podcast, where we have inspiring conversations with New Zealand artists. I'm your host, Mandy Yakich. These conversations are intimate, uplifting and insightful. The guests on the show have absolutely enriched my life and I'm sure their stories will have the same effect on you. Thank you so much for joining me to listen to these amazing people speak about what drives them, the way they work, and their personal takes on life. Morena and welcome back to Creative Matters. Sarah Usendorp is a contemporary emerging artist from Southland Aotearoa and currently living in Tamaki Makaurau, Auckland. Her art practice focuses on the state of mind whilst in the midst of creating labour-intensive drawings of repeated circular movements using paint. The paint may be less on one circle than the other, so therefore it starts creating these shades and these movements and these textures um, on the canvas. And when a viewer looks at it, they start picking up images that they can only see within the painting or they'll pick up mapping maps or birds or faces, all kinds of things you can see in my circles. And none of that is planned. It all happens organically. The paint does its own thing. Sarah talks from the heart about how her unusual upbringing in a small rural town in Southland and her parents, who are outsider artists, have influenced the way she works and the work she creates. She speaks of an out-of-this-world experience she had in her early 20s that has shaped her as a person and an artist, her fascination for drawing circles, and how her practice is essential in helping her deal with change, her emotions, and her general well-being. Sarah's story is incredible. I have so much respect for her art practice and for her incredible positive mindset. Morena, Sarah. Good morning. (laughs) Lovely to see you via Zoom. Yeah, it's lovely seeing you too. You're in the laundry, which is a really great insulated space. Mm -hmm. Surrounded (laughs) by uh, a big cardboard box. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. And you've got your cat keeping an eye on you just in case you're doing something dodgy in the laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, a very big warm welcome to Creative Matters and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I hope Sage doesn't make too much noise, my cat. I might have to send him out of the laundry. That's all right. We, He's we don't jumping mind, on things. We don't <laughs> mind animal noises on the Creative okay, Matters cool. podcast. Cool. <laughs> Animals are welcome. <laughs> so um, we met at Arcadia at your Orbit um, show mm-hmm, we in did. October, yes, and we got yeah. chatting and I completely fell in love with your work. And you. um, and very lucky for us, you agreed to be on the podcast. So um, I'm very intrigued to know how you got to be making this kind of work with your sort of fascination for circles mm-hmm. and detail. So can you tell us, um, you know, something about your childhood and how you got to this point? Yeah. Um So I think I didn't have the very typical kind of childhood. I have quite an unusual one. Um, 
which definitely led me to doing massive accumulations of circles. Yeah. Um, I'm originally from Southland in a tiny, tiny town called Ototo or Otauta. Um, it's, it's like a rural as town, probably less than 700 people live there. I lived my entire life of up to 18 years um, in this tiny wee town with my parents. Um, and they're both outsider artists. Um, so they're quite unusual artists. Can you explain what you mean by outsider artists? Oh, yeah. So um, they are artists who aren't influenced by the outside world. So they don't have a lot to do with um, the art world, I guess. They just create purely by their own thoughts or feelings. Um, and it makes quite a pure type of art. I think that's what they like. They don't like being influenced. They don't really like being outside their bubble. They are very in closed. They don't like walking outside their house kind of thing. And they kind of, uh, they've created a home which is completely surrounded by stuff so they're slightly on the they're, they're hoarders for sure I'm not even gonna say borderline like they're 100% hoarders they love collecting things and they like creating this safe bubble for themselves um they're a good artist I have so much respect for them as artists um and yeah they're, they're very unusual artists my stepdad he um he likes to put on this persona or this character called the what does he call it? The skull man or the pink man? I can't remember, but um, he likes to dress up and film himself dancing or doing unusual things. Um, and he makes a lot of music. So I grew up with drum kits, uh, lots of organs. I don't know why my parents, but they've collected too many organs for our tiny little house. Um, and lots of guitars. I got taught how to play the drums. He does a lot of recording his own music. It's not music that you can just listen to and sing along to. It's more like music where it's like spoken poetry over strange sounds, I guess, being made by instruments, almost like Patti Smith, but like 10 times more intense. <laughs> um and then my mum, she's just an oil painter and she just likes being a mum. So she has seven children. So I'm one of seven. I'm the second oldest. Um, yeah, she just really enjoys being a mum, but she's extremely creative. Every single space in our house from ceiling to floor on the walls are just covered with things, art, pepper and salt shakers, um, just a massive accumulation of stuff, tea cups and sauces. Um, they just, yeah, they really like collecting things. Crown Lynn, she's very much into that. Yeah. So growing up with two parents who are like that, very, um, unusual and everyone kind of un knowing that they're different and unusual. Our house was painted pink. Like it's just a bright pink house. So we're known as the pink house. Um, and it's a, it's a 1800 old little cottage. It's just a cube. It's, it's so tiny for seven seven kids to be growing up in um so they they were unusual I felt very out of place a lot of the time during my childhood 
Like I didn't fit in with their extreme unusualness. I was the normal one, which isn't typically the way of the artist. The artist is usually the black sheep of the family, but no, I was the the one that was a black sheep because I was normal. Because <laughs> I liked to have friends. I liked high school. I enjoyed being social at the time. Um, I liked staying over for sleepovers with my mates. I did all these things that my parents thought was weird. Um, I liked having a job. Wow, um, that's so interesting, Sarah. Yeah, they they thought I was unusual. Quite an unusual childhood. It was and, unusual. Um, and I'm sure that has informed your practice, which we'll get onto at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely was unusual. There was a lot of um there was a lot of uh pain through my childhood. Um I think it was just because I felt out of place all the time and not only with the way that I am as a person to feel out of place, but also as the fact that Quinton wasn't my father. So um, that kind of parental love that I was craving, I didn't get. And I'm a very, very sensitive person. So I cry very easily and I, um, yeah, I take things to heart way too easy. And so because I'm so sensitive and I think the rest of my family wasn't so sensitive, they didn't know how to cater to that, which isn't their fault, uh, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I and I really did. I do love my stepdad. I think he's an incredible person. I just wish that he would have loved me like a daughter, which I don't think he was capable of doing and I don't think he ever will be. But I just got to accept that and let it go, which I will. Or I have, I don't know yet. I don't know how one lets go of something like that or how one, everyone goes, oh, you just need to forgive your childhood or forgive your parents for for things. And it's like, yeah, I can say it, but I don't know how to actually do that. Um, That may may come with with more time. Yeah, I can imagine. I was hoping by 26 it would have come by now. and yeah, there was just a lot of things that happened in my life that were very um, massive events to me. So Sarah, were you within that sort of interesting family dynamic, were you creating as a way to sort of escape some of those things or, you know, were you making as a way to just express yourself or, or how did your creativity start within that context? Um, I think creativity, yeah, art. I never really saw myself as being an artist. I always loved art. I loved drawing. I loved painting. Um, oh, I loved pastels. I liked copying my stepdad so much. He would he would be drawing with. He loved pastels. There was a there was a moment there where he was just on pastels, and he would just draw and draw and draw hundreds and hundreds of drawings, and he would fill up coal sacks with his drawings there and they would you'd never see them again like you'd just throw them away and he would always have his arms covered in the pastels and the colors and so I used to sit there and just color in my elbows and my arms so that mm-hmm. I could look a little bit like him but as I grew up I didn't really see myself as becoming an artist I thought that I was going to become like an industrial designer or an architect or something because I was really into graphics design and I was very good at it at school as well um but then I was, I think I was 15 or 16 when I went to art class 
at my high school and I did my first artboard and I realized how much I loved painting. Like I really did love doing it. And I didn't expect myself to um, get a good grade in it or anything because I was very new doing art in the education system rather than just doing it for the pleasure of, of at home. Um, and I, I got really good grades. I got the highest grade you could get. Um, so I did it again the next year and the next year. And I even got a scholarship in NCA for art. So I realized that uh, I really like this. I'm really good at it. I liked it so much that I wouldn't go out and spend lunchtime with my friends. I'd just be in the art room. If I had a free period, I'd be in the art room. I think I like lived in that art room. I just loved it so much. I'd come in during the two-week holidays. Um, and my school was quite far away from my home because we were rural. So we had to travel at least an hour just to get to my school and an hour to get back home. So for me to make that commitment to come into school, just to paint, I really enjoyed it. And then I, I did find it as a, as a way to escape. I found it a way to be alone, which I enjoyed um, where I could be alone, but not be considered uh, do, being lazy, like doing nothing which was something my parents were very hard on us kids about was that we couldn't be lazy. We had to be busy. We grew up extremely poor. So um, I had to succeed in life. I only have myself. There is no safety net backing me. I'm completely alone doing this. Um, so they really trained us and raised us not to be lazy children. So doing art was the one thing I really enjoyed doing where my parents couldn't call you lazy or or yeah. um yeah we were busy doing something that's incredible yeah and yeah. that just must have been such a sort of saving moment for you to kind of discover that because mm-hmm. they would always try and do like you'd always have to be busy it was either gardening we were always gardening we had a huge bit of land and so my mum she she loves her gardens she'd have them almost like a forest out there that would always be gardening, but I didn't enjoy that as much as I liked painting. So when I discovered that it was like food to me as well, it was just, Mm. it was so much fun. Um, I bet. And what kind of thing were you making at that point, Sarah? I was just painting figurative paintings. I was really into Salvador Dali. I remember being in an art class, my art teacher showing me a Salvador Dali painting for the first time. And I was like, Oh, that was my pivotal moment. That was the moment I realized I am going to be an artist. There is no way I'm doing design. I will be an artist. The way that those paintings made me feel, I was like, yes, that is me. Um, And not that my art's a surrealist or anything, they're not anything like Salvador Dali, but um, seeing his works just really made me realize the power of art, I think. Mm. Yeah, made me feel something. Um, I remember going home and talking about him. I was obsessed with him. I'm still obsessed with him today. Um, and yeah, so that was that was a really cool moment for me. What were you thinking at that point about what you were going to do after high school? I mean, it must it must have been quite daunting living where you lived. Oh, and not, it was not daunting. necessarily having the financial resources either. Yeah, no, definitely no financial resource. My well because my stepdad and my mum have a tiny house, um, my stepdad and mum, I respect this for them as well, that they um, 
have their young children, they don't want to be uh, pressured to have to look after an 18-year-old. So pretty much when I turned 18 and finished high school, it was you have to move out and there is no coming back. So that was extremely daunting for me because, again, I'm a very sensitive person. I don't like change. Any little fraction of change in my life, I kind of spiral for a little bit. Um, I need time to process things. This was like life changing for me. And it felt so weird. Um, There was only one way to describe how I felt. Um, The idea of leaving home felt like death to me. But you know how like one day everyone's going to die and that's so daunting and scary. That's how I felt about leaving home. I was like, it's just going to happen. and You're just going to have to accept it. And it's so scary. It felt like as scared as I am of death. That's how it felt. It was extremely daunting. Yeah, it was huge. And trying to explain that to my parents and they're like, uh, they said to me, I don't know why you're so scared of the world. And I was like, well, you guys have made me scared of the world. Look at how you guys live. You yeah. never go out in the world. I've, I had never, from, from the age of 3 to 18, been further than Otago, than Dunedin. I had never traveled further than Dunedin. So I knew every road, every tree. That's my safe place. So going outside of it, it was like I didn't even know that a world existed. It's an idea, but I hadn't seen it in real life. Wow. So it was extremely scary. I wanted yeah. to go to Dunedin. I wanted to study there, but they didn't have a fine arts school class in a university setting. My parents were set on me going to university because they thought that's the only way she's going to um, have a successful life where she won't depend on us in any shape or form. Um, and so I applied for Massey and I applied for Elam. I didn't actually think I'd get into Elam because I didn't have a lot of faith in myself. I, I did get into Massey. And then when I got the acceptance into Elam, I was very shocked and very happy about it. And yeah, my parents, they were happy about it too. I was very nervous about moving to Auckland, extremely nervous. And at that um, point with Elam, that was the four-year degree, wasn't it? Yeah, at that in point the, it was. In, yeah, and, um, and you had to put forward a portfolio. Yeah which I did and I was very proud of that that's great yeah that you're accepted but that's such a big thing isn't it when you I mean it's it's one thing for for most kids to leave home it's it's always such a big thing but having that sort of sense of no return (laughs) would Mm. have just added so much more stress oh yeah it was very stressful and knowing that I was doing it completely on my own like no support whatsoever and my parents aren't ones to pick up the phone. They, they won't pick up a phone call too often. Um, and I'm, it's very rare that we even have text messages between each other. And I learned that very quickly, that once I was out, that is it. Wow, <laughs> um, that's, I had, that's actually huge. Yeah, it was massive. That's and I had, I had an incredible community down there. And um, I worked in the Foursquare Dairy for five years. So during my whole high school years, I worked in the Foursquare um, in my small town. And it was a great experience because I got to create my own like community. And they were just the loveliest ladies that I got to work with. They're all, they were all like um, mothers almost to me. And so they were extremely supportive. Um they were so happy for me. I think they cried when I had to leave. So that was really lovely having that kind mm. of support. Um, 
yeah, they're just incredible people where I'm from. They're very generous. Mm. Yeah. So, so great that you had that. Yeah. But also having to leave that was also very scary. Yeah. And Auckland doesn't have that. It's, It's very hard to fit into a circle here or to find a community here. And even me being here now for eight years, I still don't think I've found that. Mm. Or I have here and there, but things have always fallen away from or like, or I've fallen out with groups or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I haven't found that same kind of community. I think you can only get it in small towns and stuff. That that's yeah. what um, that's what we love about Murawai Beach because it's I think there's about fifteen hundred residents, mm. fifteen hundred to two thousand, and you know it's forty five minutes into town. It's not far away, but it just has that beautiful community vibe which is so amazing and I was actually just thinking yesterday walking up the road I know all the people who live in all the houses Mm. you know and I love that feeling and I I couldn't imagine not having it and that's what you have in the country too isn't it yeah and that's what I had yes that's what I had my entire life so leaving them was huge and then when I go back down to visit it's weird because I wish that time would just freeze from the moment that I left so that I don't miss anything. But when I go back mm. and find out that they're still living their lives and everything, it kind of hurts. <laughs> I, I yeah. just, I'm so sensitive. <laughs> but you yeah. must also feel, you know, proud of what you've achieved and, and you must be loving the life that you're living, making your work. Yeah. I am very yeah. proud. Yeah. You've done um, so well. Thank you. And Thank tell you. us, um, let's go back to Elam. I mean, were you yeah. actually thinking, great, this is everything I've ever wanted. I want to be a full-time artist. I'm heading to Elam School of Fine Arts. I'm happy. You know, apart from the the difficulty of actually moving from your community, mm. were you thinking this is this is what I want to be doing? Um, I mean, I don't think I've ever had to question being an artist. I know that my path was going towards design at one point, but um, I was very young then. I've always kind of been an artist, so I've never had to question it. I've always been like, yeah, I, I will be an artist. Um, it was like I was just born to be one and having two parents who are one, who are yeah. artists. There's no questioning for me. And um, that's, something that, that's something really positive that your, your parents have I, yeah, I know there's been so many positives I feel very privileged that I did get to grow up with two artists especially the type of artists they are because they are very unique and you don't find artists like that anymore like I have never met an artist like my two parents they're very different um and they do it not for money they don't sell their art they do it purely because they love it so much and they don't care about anything else um so that's been a great influence on me um, so I've never had to question about art. I did question about art school, Elam, because my parents didn't go to Elam and they stood for the outsider art brute artist. They they liked that. Um, I think when I left home, my stepdad said to me, like, um, uh, I would never be doing what you're doing. Even though he pushed for me to go to art school and to go to university and stuff, he's like, that's just not for me. I would never go to an art school and learn. Um, So I think a part of me was also thinking that way, like should I be doing this the other way? Should I be doing this where I'm not an educated artist because will that benefit my art career? You Mm. know, Um, Mm. do I want to be this type of artist? I think there's many types of artists out there. What type of artist do I want to be? 
but yeah. I stuck with it. I went to Elam. The first year was very scary because, again, never been in a big city. Um, so it was a lot for me to take in. New people, um, no one knowing who I was because I was so used to people knowing me. Um, I think the first day I was in Auckland, my sister, she had moved up to Auckland, so I did have her. Um, I think we went to go shopping for some bedding because I was going into the halls and every person that walked past me, I would just say hi to, because that's just what you do down South. You go, hi. And my sister had to say to me, oh, stop saying hi to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't do that in the big city. And I was like, oh. You could yeah. always start a movement, making people yeah. say hello to each other, which would be nice. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> I still I still always smile or say hi. I'm still like that, but not as intensely as I was on the first day I was there. <laughs> I think I was even saying, hi, how are you? As I was walking past like every person. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> And how, how how did you find the sort of structure of that first year at Elam of doing lots of different things when you already kind of were starting to form your own your own style of painting? Yeah, I I found it good. I found it very confusing. I think the entire time I was at Elam, I was just confused. I was like, well, what are we doing? <laughs> There's a lot of opinions um, in Elam so every student that you're with they all think they're going to be the next great artist I guess and I really hope that they all will be and they live to their dreams but they've all got so many opinions and it's always shared and I really did enjoy learning and listening and hearing um but yeah it was so unusual to me because I hadn't been around that many artists before the only opinions I've ever listened to were my mum and stepdad when it came to art and um yeah it was just interesting I found it like a bit overwhelming I was totally shy I was very scared I didn't use the facilities the way that I wish I had just because I was too nervous or too shy to go into like the print shops or the print workshops or um the wood workshops I wish I went down there and did more Mm. of that and you were still um, young. I mean, straight out of school. Yeah, I know. Elam. I was very young. And I was in the hall, mm. so I was very distracted by the hall life as well. And I was loving the hall life. I was loving all the friends I was making over there. I made some really great friendships in the halls. Um, I'd never really gone out partying. There's no clubs where I come from, so clubs were new for me, and that was a lot of fun. Um yeah, it was a, it was just a whirlwind the first year. It was crazy. Mm. Never been in a taxi. Went onto a taxi for the first time. Buses that was new for me. Trains. Um, even homeless people. I had never seen a homeless person. That shocked me. Mm. Um, also, culture. Everyone in my town. I there is no other person but a Pakeha or a Maori in my town. I'd never like been around people with accents or. Um, culture, just anybody, Asians, everything. Oh, that was so new to me. Yeah, shocked to my system. Mm. It's so but strange because it's the same country, but it's almost like a whole different world around. Yeah. Well, it's so sheltered, isn't it? And so yeah. sort of closed off. I mean, the small community, small town, small New Zealand town is is like that. As but mm. then on top of that, you had your family dynamic, which was closed Even, off. Yeah, on top more of sheltered. That. Yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah. I mean, I'm just amazed that you were so sort of good at making friends and building a new community yeah. when you had such a sheltered life socially. 
yeah, I don't know where I got that from, where I got it. My mum, she is pretty good at talking to strangers, even though she's very sheltered. I'm definitely um, an introvert, but I'm just, I'm a people person. I'm a people pleaser. I think that's the one thing that um, with my parents having a stepdad and trying to, to gain his fatherly love made me such a good people pleaser. And so I think that's how I managed to create relationships pretty well, whether they're good relationships or not. I, I eventually find that out, but I'm 100% yeah. a people pleaser, a people person. I'm very good at it, but it does drain all my energy out of me. So I usually need quite some time to reset and mm. and sleep it off and be alone for a while. Mm. But How did you start to develop your art practice at Elam and what kind of art were you making? Elam, I wasn't making what I do now. I was trying to, <laughs> but the briefs were never like um, catered to what I do. The briefs were always way different. Um, I definitely would at any opportunity do accumulations of whatever, of like circles or mainly circles or any other patterns. I did triangles there as well. I don't think it was until third year where I actually got to start doing that stuff. Um, so when I was at Elam, I was just creating whatever would fit the brief. I think, um, I think at one stage I was rolling up paper and just dipping it in wine and letting the wine travel up the paper. And that was pretty cool. I was definitely experimenting. Um, I think I found Elam very beneficial because I mean, I'm on the path where I'm at now. So I, I mean, there's not much more I can say. I, it must have been good if I'm where I'm at now. Um, yeah. But at the time, I think most of it, I was just like confused. <laughs> I was like, how, how does it, how is this going to help me? I, yeah, I didn't know what to expect going into a university. I didn't know. Yeah. I just didn't know what to expect. It's a lot mm. of people. It's a lot of personalities. I think the personalities were very overwhelming for me trying to learn all these different type of humans when I've been around just the same type of people for so long. Oh, totally. Um, but I'm sure that that experience has informed your practice now and, and oh, ha- yeah. all, all that experimenting, even though you weren't quite sure where you were heading with it. Yeah, you know. no, completely. So- um, I didn't end up finishing uni. Um, I I just need to do a general education paper because um, it was still the four, year post, four years to get your degree. Um, but I dropped out after my third year, mainly because um, I just had a lot of personal stuff going on in the background. Um, It had a family member who was very ill and in hospital. And because it was in Auckland, I was able to spend a lot of time with them. They recovered, which was great, but it was a good six months of them being in the hospital. And uh, um, I don't know. I just, I, uh, I needed a break. That's all it was going to be was a break. And then the four years turned into a three-year degree. So all I need to do, and still to this day, it sounds so silly, all I need to do is a junior education paper. And I could do that in a semester nice and easy. But I don't know why. I just have like, I've been too busy to to go back. I just, I should do it. But my life Mm. has just been like busy and on a good path. It's not like it stops me from doing anything. So so I'll do it get, if I need to. <laughs> and so you don't you don't have the official degree. No. 
no so not, you yeah no. I'm sure you'll go back at some point and do that oh, yeah year. I'm positive I will as well I say it every year as well I'm gonna do it this year but then everything gets so busy that mm. I just don't have time to um so no I didn't finish um and my parents did not like that <laughs> they were not happy about it of course mm. but it hasn't like stopped me once you actually um, worked with your family member in hospital after that what mm. happened? I mean, were you then thinking, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a, this full time artist now. I'm going to start making. Uh, I, what was your What was your plan? Oh, I had an incredible experience, just the out of this world experience. Um, and I think it had a lot to do with who I am today. Um, so in the halls, I made friends with this guy, um, and we would go over to his place in Renuera, his family's place. And I became incredibly good friends with his family, still to this day, incredibly close with them. Um, And we were at his 21st. So I think we're 21 when I'm still doing my third year. Um, And we're at his 21st and his father, he asked me um, if you were to go anywhere in the world to see any type of art, where would you go? And I said, I'd probably go to New York to see MoMA um, and then probably go to Barcelona just to see Salvador Dali. Um, and he's like, all right, then, well, sort yourself out a passport and we'll take you there. And uh, I was like, what? Ever? <laughs> sure. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> The next day he emailed me and he said, we'll throw in um, London and you can go to the tapes so you can see that. Um, and we're doing this like you don't owe us anything. This is for you. And I said, well, if anything, you can then see um, how it may benefit my artist career. So that's me kind of, yeah, I don't know. Um, wow. It was a really, really incredible. cool experience. So, yeah, they yeah. they brought me flights over to New York um, because I'd never traveled overseas I, and, and didn't know if I'd be good at it. Um, my friend got to come with me, their son. So he he got the trip as well. So we both went over to New York for about five days, got to go to the MoMA, um, the Met, uh, Guggenheim, just everywhere. Um, and we're staying right outside big what's it called that big park so we're um, right in the central center. park yeah yeah central park so we're right in the center so we could walk to everything it was really brilliant it was in february um so it was winter time and it was snowing and i think it was my friend he had never really experienced snow whereas i had so it was it was really nice mm. um we went to London for about four days and we went to the Tate. The Tate Modern was just the most incredible experience. Yeah. That was the best art. I think I spent eight hours in there just looking. Um, it was the first time I got to see Salvador Dali, so I was very excited by that. Um, and so many other artists, like Evan Tangai, I think that's how you say his name. So excited to see him. Oh, there were just so many people. So many people that I'd studied at Elam or had watched never once thought that I'd be going over there and what seeing that, it in what person. What an incredible gift from this from this Incredible, person. incredible. And then it's we like life-changing. It was life-changing for me. Um, and then, yeah, we went to Barcelona and we had to travel out of Barcelona to go and see Salvador Dali. And I told my friend, oh, his, his sister was studying in Oxford 
Um, so we went and visited her in London. She decided she wanted to come over to Spain with us as well. So I told them both that they had to go and do their own thing while I went into Salvador Dali alone because I didn't want anyone else there talking to me while I looked at these. Yes, and I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah. I think the the draw to Salvador Dali is that if anyone knows of his place or, or, or has been to his museum, um, is that he has like so many things just, making sculptures with so much stuff it's also like it's almost like a hoarder that you're making art right and I can relate to that stuff because that's what I'm surrounded by in my childhood because that's what how my parents make they just put things together Mm. and so I saw a lot of my parents in Salvador Dali's art so that was incredible absolutely loved that um yeah, what a great experience. Yeah, what a, and that's just, it's such an incredible thing for somebody to do for someone. It was incredibly yeah. generous. Yeah. yeah. They were, they're just the loveliest people. Wow. Um, so that was that, and that's what would have been your fourth year at Elam. Yeah. yeah so that and, was at the start of that year. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. And then you came back and were totally motivated and refreshed, inspired, ready mm-hmm. to start your own practice. Is that right? I think I realized that, like, um, when you see these things in person, they become real rather than just this idea that, and it makes it seem so much more achievable for some reason. Like when it's really in front of you, you're like, oh, like it's achievable. Also, if if a little Southland girl who moves up to Auckland, the first place I ever wanted to go was New York. Didn't even expect that to happen. And then my first place to go was New York. Like it just, it made me realize that no matter what I dream, I can make it true. And so, it, yeah, it helped me to to just just give in to being an artist and that no matter what happens, it's going to turn out okay because my life has turned out pretty cool so far. Mm, that's um, so amazing. Your, your story is so inspirational, Sarah. I mean, thank you. you. <laughs> the way you talk about your life despite the challenges and the, and the difficulties mm. and the way you've kind of turned it around, through such a sort of positive light is really amazing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Go yeah. you. Thank you. So, so yeah. Can um, you tell us about your your practice? Are we ready for this? Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. So how about you describe your art practice to us for people who have never seen your yeah. work? Um, so my art practice, it started off with just paper and drawing but it moved into canvas. I love canvases. Um, I paint a base color and then I go over top of that base color with a paintbrush and just draw circles. (laughs) I just paint circles and it's, that's all I do. I just sit there and paint circles. They're very small. Um, I don't plan anything. I don't like to, I don't need to actually um, draw this out or anything. I just like my work to be very organic and decide its own path. I like to get lost in the circles. It's a moment for me to just slow down and to let all my emotions kind of um, go through me in a very safe environment and all my thoughts to kind of come. They're very loud, but they eventually get very quiet and then there's a numbness of yeah nothingness which is really beautiful so it's like meditation it's a form of self-therapy my art 100 
And it's it, at the moment, it's just me painting circles on large surfaces. And that's all it really is. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is so incredible. And the circles, when I met you at the mm-hmm. Orbit uh, show, I, yeah. I thought initially that it was kind of just blobs of paint, Yeah, um, you know, that you've sort of eased onto the surface. But we talked and you said that you actually, it's the outline of the circle, isn't it? I never like to do dots I, because it's not as therapeutic as a circle. Um, but yes, I do it the opposite way than what 90% of the viewers think I do. Everyone thinks I'm doing dots. But no, when you're doing it as in circles, um, the paint may be the paint may be less on one circle than the other. So therefore it starts creating these shades and these movements and these textures um, on the canvas. And when a viewer looks at it, they start picking up images that they can only see within the painting or they'll pick up mapping maps or birds or faces, all kinds of things you can see in my circles. And none of that is planned. It all happens organically. The paint does its own thing. My hand does its own thing. There is so little control in my art, and I love that. <laughs> yes, and it's yeah. so they are so absolutely beautiful to look at. Thank you. And so you have that under. So if, I'm just looking at the um, the painting. It's me with um, yeah. with the accompanying <laughs> head, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. So you've got that sort of blue, purpley blue color underneath. And it's then, just a, it's actually very um it's ultramarine blue it's just a basic bluest blue blue yeah. blue <laughs> yeah. and then you've used uh some sort of red what what yeah. red is that it's just your basic red as well but it's funny yeah. how the colors start turning it into like the blue looks very dark yeah yeah it, it's really the interesting and then and then you're doing the outline so the little the little circle inside the outline that you've painted yeah. is is blue yeah it's the base and, color and that's picking up the undercolor, obviously yeah but then it's just fascinating isn't it how sometimes you don't get a sense of what's underneath the color underneath and sometimes you do and and these mm-hmm. shapes as you said sort of come through from underneath but mm. it's kind of interesting to know how that happens or well, it's just one of those things and mm. is it just do you think varying on how much paint you've applied or how big you've made the circle or how close the next circle is to the previous circle? What is it that brings those different shapes out, do you think? I definitely think it's like the um, amount of paint that probably is applied, although I feel like because it's just repetitive motions, I feel like I do it pretty well where it's almost always the same. I'm actually scared I'm going to get too good at this. (laughs) Like if I keep (laughs) doing it and start applying just the exact same amount of paint every time and become kind of robotic in it that it's not going to have as much imagery coming out because the first one I ever did had so much imagery coming out so many like moments in it and now as I keep going there's less and less of that because I'm just getting so good at this motion (laughs) yeah that's really like I'm so trained in it now and what but, um, uh, what kind of brush do you use? It must be a super fine, amazing brush. I just use um, this acrylic and oil kind of brush. It's a very firm brush. I love brushes. Oh, my goodness. I love materials. Art supplies and materials I go crazy about. I always want to know what the newest type of acrylic paint is. I love acrylic paint. Um, 
I love flush, if anyone knows what that is, um, which is a really beautiful acrylic paint that has this vinyl finish, so it's extremely flat. I like textures, so I like playing with mediums. I'm very obsessed with um, art supplies, art materials. Yeah. So I like, art, art yeah. supplies shop is like your, your idea of heaven. Well, I even work at one. I work at Gordon Harrison Newmarket, oh, so it is heaven. Yeah, it is heaven for me. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, perfect I'm definitely for perfect for it because yeah. I just love looking at paint so much. That's so good. And do you yeah. normally have that one color under paint and one color on top, or do sometimes yeah. you vary? No, I always just have two colors, so one under paint and one on top. Yeah. Interesting. And it is fascinating, isn't it, how – many shapes i mean i can see and it's me i can see a whale tail has anyone ever said that no you're the first somebody said go. the other day when they saw it they're like how did she get the face in there and i was like where the heck is this face <laughs> i can't see it but the person can see it yeah, yeah which is so lovely isn't it that the viewer is responding in their own way and yeah it's not necessarily what you intended and it's lovely for you too i imagine because you don't know what you're intending mm. At the end, when you stand back from the painting, then you have your own response. Yeah, yeah. And it's fun because you just get to keep rediscovering this art piece. So, like, once it's done, you get to sit back and look at it. And you can look at it for days, weeks, and it's constantly changing. Like, there's, yeah. const- there's always new things to see within these paintings, which exactly. I really, really enjoy. Oh, yeah. And, they're, I mean, visually, they're so they're so beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. But then they really kind of suck you in, and and the more you look, it's almost like an optical illusion thing that something yeah. starts happening with your eyes. The more you look at it, the other things sort of start appearing. Don't it's they? almost like static energy. Someone yeah. who was also looking at that one the other day said to me that it's like a magnetic pull when you're in the room with that piece. You just feel drawn to go up to it. And yeah, I was like, that is really nice. Yeah. Yes, what a compliment. <laughs> Yeah, that was and then you leave it. you leave the side of the of the canvas in that underpaint color. Yeah, I think that's just to cold. help get help to explain to people because when they see it, they're like, "How is this not dots?" And I guess some people think it's blue dots on a red on a red. Yeah, color. pretty much everyone thinks that usually. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually the other way around to what yeah. you expect, which is also really interesting for the viewer. You know, that sort of when they discover what you do and how you do it. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I found that when I saw your work first as well. I was just like, oh, my God. And, you know, just looking at your work and and appreciating the time and the Mm. precision Mm -hmm. is just also kind of really adds to the experience. Yeah, it does. Yeah, there's a lot of dedication that I put into these artworks, a lot. And I don't think my hand is going to be forgiving me for, (laughs) for a very long time. I mean, it stopped. It's not always sore, but after a big piece like it's me, it was sore there for a wee bit. But um, yeah, it's a lot of dedication I put into my art, a lot of time. Uh, mm. um, but it doesn't feel like a chore because without doing this type of art, if I even go two days without doing it, I feel um, I can get kind of out of place in the world. It's just I need it. It is my self therapy. I mean, it is my therapy. Um, it's like eating food for me. So yeah, it's not a chore. I absolutely love doing it. If someone Mm. said to me that I could just sit and do that for the rest of my life and not have to go outside of my room and, and, 
um, work or do other things, I would live a very, very happy life. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. As long as your cat was there, you'd yeah. be happy. Yeah, I'd be extremely happy just sitting wow. there painting circles. That, that would be the dream. That is the dream. Yeah. And does it take <laughs> you a long time? Are you quite efficient with your with your circles? Um, I I mean, so it's me, the one you're looking at took two months and I worked on it every single day. Wow. But that's including the head. Um, so I I'm getting quicker at making these. Uh the collection that you saw, uh orbit i would never recommend this but i created that collection in a month although i was going through a breakup so that was probably why it got done in a month is because i was trying to process some stuff <laughs> it's so good yeah. to have that um that thing to do when you're dealing with difficult times like that isn't it i know yeah, yeah and it really is because then you see this um this collection of work come out of it and you're like it almost makes up for any um, emotional damage. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It makes it worthwhile in some way. Mm-hmm. And um, and with back to the it's me work. You've got the, the the very large canvas, and then in front you have a head, which mm-hmm. has the same color palette. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um. So this this it's me was actually um my self portrait. Um, which I'd been thinking of doing for quite some time. I was very interested in doing a self-portrait. Um, and so I had been sitting thinking for ages, maybe years, how am I going to do a self-portrait still keeping my style? Um, and I thought we could do types of circles, maybe different colored circles that would outline my face or just ways that I could do it painting figuratively on the canvas but I was like that's not my style that's not how I do it um and then uh, I thought about getting a mannequin and painting the mannequin fully but then again I don't look like a mannequin and then finally I realized oh my gosh I should just cast my head or mold my head and uh, have a complete copy of my head in front of this canvas so I did a lot of research on how to do that um a lot of it is very expensive and money isn't something I have a lot of. So I settled just for plaster strips and Vaseline. So I put Vaseline on my face and just in my room by myself on a Sunday afternoon, I completely covered my face in plaster strips. Um, and that went fine. I don't have, cl- uh, cl- uh, what is it? That phobia? Claustrophobia? Is Claustrophobia. That what yeah. Yeah. I don't have that, which is great. Wow. Yeah, because I think if you had that, that would not be a fun thing to do to your no, face by yourself. Because you have to, um, you have to cover your eyes with the strips. You cover yeah. everything with your mouth. Your shut. mouth, yeah. You cover oh. your mouth. The only place where I could breathe is like the two little holes that you leave on your nostrils. Wow, um, that's amazing and- that you could do that. Normally, <laughs> you'd get somebody else to do it for you. you oh yeah, you, actually, you wanted to do it. The oh the yeah on yourself I don't think I could trust someone else doing that to me I would probably freak out then um although I'm sure somebody who does it like if I got one of my friends to do it they would have done it fine it's just I would have preferred to do it myself mm. um but it would be quite hard I imagine to do it it was so it was well. very difficult <laughs> with all yeah. those strips you know just to kind of doing it by feel which is a very deep yeah. personal process it was. It really was. Um, and it turned out really good. I didn't think I'd pull it off, to be honest. I thought I'd have to, like, paper mache a head or something. Um, 
because again, mm-hmm. I'm limited by my finances. So I had to do it the cheapest way pos- possible. Um, and then, the, so the mold turned out well and then just filled it up with plaster and made this plaster head and did a lot of sanding. There was a lot of waiting time for it to dry as well, but plaster dries pretty quickly, which is good. Um, and then I just painted it and it turned out really well. <laughs> Still so surprised. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. And how did you actually do the back? Did you... I just molded that with my hands. So that's not a hundred percent accurate, but um, yeah, I just did good. that with plaster. Yeah. I thought it looked fine. I pulled yeah, it off. Perfect. I wasn't going to attempt to make ears for it or anything. So I was like, that would be too much. Yeah. yeah I actually think it without the ears is, is quite cool. There's something about it. That yeah. looks, I don't know. Even better. It was a process. So I think it took me like three weeks to actually make the sculpture. Mm, the yeah, head. It That's yeah. Incredible. It took quite some time. And then how did you go about painting it? So it's the same, it's the same colors that, like I said, is the um, yeah. the canvas that goes behind it. So the, the work at the head is part of the canvas. It's all yeah. one work. Yeah. It's all one work. Um, how did you go about painting that? I just, uh, she wasn't, uh, my head wasn't too heavy, but I just held it and like cradled it kind of and just painted away at it. And it was really fun doing that because I always um, have been quite self-conscious about my features as the normal human is. Um, but it was really cool painting on my face, my like seeing my real features in different angles and ways that you'll never see your face other than in a mirror um, and being able to hold it and really kind of appreciate my cool features. Like I have good cheekbones. Very proud yes, of those. You do. You <laughs> yeah. really do. Yeah. yeah. How amazing. And I love when you look at it in front of the canvas behind it, it it, it almost kind of blends in, but has yeah, that, that sort of 3D the whole idea, yeah, feel. to kind of morph into its background and come out a little bit. Yeah. Um, it was a very intimate experience and yeah. I really enjoyed it. I'd probably oh, make I more imagine. of those. Yeah, yeah, I think you should. They're so incredible. Your other paintings as you said, it's, it's always only two colours, is that right? Mm. Always. And then do you have any preference with colour or is colour kind of also telling us something or are you trying to communicate or express something through the, the colour choices or is it more random? I've been thinking about that a bit lately. Um, I do think that I spend a lot of time thinking about colour. I love pop art. Pop art is one of my favourite type of art. And I like colours that are very um, bold and vivid and poppy. I don't like bright colours, though, like like neon colours or sparkly colours. I just like your really basic primary pop-up kind of colours. And blue and red are probably my favourite combination. Blue is my favourite colour. Um but I don't know how deep that goes. It's just, mm. it's just, it's just me liking something. Yeah, which yeah. still is, is part of your style, isn't it? Yeah. And and then you do use quite a lot of white and. Oh um, yeah, the actual colors I'm using are just like always ultramarine blue, and then just a white. And then if it turns pastel, it's because it's turned pastel itself. But that yeah. isn't from my decision of it. Right. It just naturally has done that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And how did you actually discover this technique? Um, I think I've been doing it since I can remember, really. I've always just been quite into drawing obsessively, 
yeah, I don't know how I discovered it. <laughs> it and just it always, seems natural. It's I always think, been circles. No, it hadn't always been circles. It's always been patterns. I've like at high school, I liked to cover my pages with patterns. Um, it wasn't always circles. And I just, I liked the intensity of it all. Um, I think it was one day, when, I think it was my second year in Auckland and I must have been stressed or something and I was just drawing circles on a piece of paper um, and I realised that it just made me feel so calm and I was like, that's it, I'm going to get a massive piece of paper and just draw as many circles as possible on it and that's how it started. Mm. And I think someone saw it once and they're like, oh, you should make that your your thing. Like, you should just draw circles. And I laughed it off. I was like, nah, I want to do something else. And then it's so weird because that's what I've done. I've <laughs> become yeah. obsessed with it. And do you think it's come from a kind of like a doodling nature, a doodling background, like that just sort of doodling to kind of make you feel good? And then it sort yeah. of morphed into more circles and then it became this kind of work. Yeah, I definitely think it's like... um I can't remember what the word is for it, but yeah, it is, it is doodling, um, drawing. Mm, and that's how taken. it all started. That's how yeah. it started just on paper with a pen. Mm, I've and gone through hundreds of pens, just doodling, doing circles. Amazing. Um, and have you, have you ever considered using pen on, on a painted background rather than a paintbrush? Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely have. I think, um, if uh, if people are into art out there, they'll know about Molotow pens, the, the acrylic ink pen that you can get. I have used those in certain paintings. I didn't use it for It's Me. That one was definitely done with a paintbrush. But, um, yeah, I definitely do. And I like the way that those pieces turn out as well because they have more shade and more texture in them because you can really let the acrylic ink run its life until you – pump it up uh, pump the pen and have more yeah. ink going so yeah. you're getting all these other different kinds of shades going on yeah. so I do enjoy using the Molotow pens quite a lot mm, I love that that's very yeah. cool and can we start talking now about your collaboration mm-hmm. with um, Yuan J Choi mm-hmm. and now that work she's a sculptor and yeah and then you've been painting her sculptures basically yeah can you talk to us about how that started and how you work together as a sort of collaboration and what your process is yeah um I think going to Elim one of the things coming out of it I've realized is I never want to do a collaboration for some reason I was just like there's too many people that are so different from me I'm never going to find someone who I'll do a collaboration with where I can still be alone peaceful during my drawings but um I was working at Auckland Art Gallery when I met Yonjay um and it was during a lockdown I think we were having like a video call for the gallery assistants and someone asked, what has everyone been up to? And that's when I first saw Yonjay's ceramic pieces when she showed it on there. And I fell in love with her art. She's an incredible artist, just out of this world. She's a ceramic artist and she's extremely skillful at what she does. Um, So I instantly had to get my hands on a piece. And then we were working together and one of our mates, her name's Paula. She um, has a really cool studio in Devonport 
me and Yonjay at this point still hadn't had shows before, like an exhibition before. And I think we're just talking about how cool it'd be to have an exhibition. And Paula said, well, have one in my space. And we looked at each other and we're like, oh, yeah, sure, why not? And there was no more discussion than that. Like there was nothing. It was, it, she just showed up to my house with some sculptures and that was that. Like there was no effort. It <laughs> just naturally happened. Yeah. I was, yeah. Um, and I liked that she could just drop off pieces and leave me alone to do mm. it. I didn't want too much talking going on. She understood my type of art. I understand hers. Hers is very also labor intensive. It's, um, it's definitely uh, focused on the circle, creating a safe place for an artist to exist. She's very focused on that. Um, and yeah, the circle, she's obsessed with the circle too and creating a perfect circle almost. And she uses um, a Korean, a South Korean traditional way of making these, they're called moon jars. Um, so yeah, she dropped off um, these moon jars to me um, and gave me ceramic glazes to use. And ceramic glazes are very, very hard material to use. Um because it's kind of almost like a chalk. So if you wipe your hand over it, there's chances that you're going to wipe the drawing off. Um, so, yeah, I started learning with this um, new material, ceramic glaze. Um, everything has to be applied with the paintbrush. There's no cheating. <laughs> you really have to spend your time with it. Every single circle that I've done on those pieces has to be applied more than once. Because um, when you put it into the kiln, there's, uh, they kind of fade or they sink into the clay a bit. So I want my artworks to be very bold and vivid. So that takes a lot of time. Um, mm. I think I've become incredibly masterful with the glaze and drawing circles on them. And yeah. They're very well done. Like I'm surprised on how good they turn out every time. And did you yeah. actually have to do lots of experimenting to figure out, you know, how much to apply and that kind of thing? Or did you just go straight into a sculpture? I I did do a few little, um, like, little plates. Um, I don't actually know what they're called. Testers, let's say, just little testers. I did do a few of those but, um, and quickly learned that, oh, they don't turn out the way that you think they're going to turn out because it can look really bold with the glaze um, before it goes in the kiln mm. just because it's so chalky. Um and so just off those, I learned I need to be applying a lot onto these. Um, and with every piece that I did, I was just getting better and better, just learn a bit more. And that all happened naturally. It wasn't like a, it wasn't an effort to learn more. It's like you, I just had to stare at it for a second and already know what I need to do. Mm, yeah. And it must have been hard coming back and doing another coat. That must have been really laborious. I, I, because it dries so quickly. It's like every time you do a circle, you just instantly do another one because oh. it dries like that. It's so quick, which is also a struggle because it's drying so quickly and you're working with the paintbrush and it's a, it's a long, slow process. Everything dries so quickly when you need it to be wet for mm, longer. How yeah. interesting. And then were you super excited about the incredible effect that the dots had on the 3D object? Yeah, yeah, I was very excited because I had wanted to move into sculpture, um, mainly because I'm highly influenced by Yayu Kusama, um, and she does a lot of sculptures. 
and I just I just love her work so much and I was like I really want to go into sculpture um and just play with that so I really enjoyed working with the 3D objects yeah Mm. canvases are my one true love like they're my first love they'll always (laughs) be my love but Mm. yeah it was fun to do sculptures yeah. yeah, and I'd, I'd love to see more of that sort of combination of sculpture and, and canvas. Like, it's yeah, really, yeah, I'm know, definitely working on some more pieces um, like It's Me where I'm creating my own things to mm. go in front of the canvas, yeah. I don't think I'll always be collaborating with Yon Jay. It's definitely um, like I've still got pieces that I need to do that she's made me like a little coffee table kind of arty thing, which is really oh cool. My God. I cool. really am enjoying going into furniture because I mean, I loved design, graphic design as a kid yes. and industrial design, especially. So being able to go into a bit of furniture, art furniture yes. has been incredibly fun for me. I've always had this, like this dream of creating a setting, like a, a room in a gallery space and completely covering it with my circle so that every single item in that space, whether it's a dining setting with food all made out of sculpture would be completely covered in circles. So Mm. this is just helping me get Get to to that. that, Yeah. Which is very, it's very Kusama, but it's, it is, it's, you can see the inspiration, but it's still, you've got such a unique practice and a unique style that you know, completely. Yeah, it's completely different. But how amazing would that be? Oh, my God. Yeah. I just love the idea of this intense yes. circle environment, accumulation, yeah. and of labor because yeah. my parents enforced so much heavy labor on us so that we were trained not to be lazy. It means that I I love showing off my labor. When someone can yeah. look at something and go, oh, my God, that took them so much time it makes me feel good. It's like, you yeah, feel you validated. Can, yeah, I feel so validated. Isn't and people recognize my labor. Yeah. And once again, this taking something that could have been a challenge for you as a, as a child has sort of come through in a positive way through your artwork. Yeah. No, it which is has. amazing, isn't it? So then you also have a real interest in supporting emerging other emerging artists. Yeah. Um, and you obviously like putting shows together and curating and that kind of thing as well. So can we hear about that? Yeah, sure can. Um, So the people who gave me that incredible experience to go overseas, they also are the ones who now are the proud owners of It's Me. So with my head in their house. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was actually wondering if that was if they had bought it. No, they How did. incredible. <laughs> oh, that makes me get goosebumps. Yeah, so I think it's hilarious that they get my head in their house all the time, especially with their personality, like um, the husband. He, I just can't wait to like talk to him about that because he's been overseas working. So I can't wait to see him and be and have a good chuckle that he gets to keep <laughs> my head. Um, <laughs> How incredible. What That is just so perfect. Yeah, so they, um, they're just incredible people. They are built, so they live in Waiheke, and during just before lockdown, they built this education center on their um, their property. And uh, she, the, the I call them the Shepsons, um, the Andrea Shepson. She is a dentist, and she's a very very good dentist, and she likes to teach dentistry. So she created this um, education center 
so that people from all over the world can come over and take our courses, um, which is so cool. And the center is just incredible. And so they got in contact with me when they first built it. And I think this was in probably 2020. Um, and I went over and I saw it and I was like, this building is amazing. And they asked me if I would like to um, do an art piece in the space, like put an art piece up in the space. And I looked at it and I said, you guys have so much wool here, like so much beautiful wool. I don't think I could cover that with an art piece, but I could put on a show here. And they're like, yeah, we'd be so into that. So um, I put together my first show called See the Unseen, um, which was just a little taster of some emerging artists that I am friends with and that I personally know. And we did an opening for that last year and that went well. Um, and then just recently we've done another show and I collaborated with Artful, um, Jessica. and we did this the South Portrait kind of show, but it was a different take on a South Portrait. It was more like um, an autobiographical take on how the artist represents themselves through their art. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I did this collaboration with Artful and Jessica did a show, Dancing with Myself, um, and that opened in October. And we had twenty two artists and. Artists such as Elliot Collins was in it that has been on this podcast. Um, Logan um, Moffat, or even Paul Nathan. I think yeah, you're doing an episode with him as well. Yes, he's I am also tomorrow. in the show. Yeah, so yeah. there was a there was 22 artists, a lot of incredible artists, um, all who created self portraits. Um, and I hung it in quite a salon style hang where I just tried to pack the wall as much as I could. Um, the building itself is in quite like it's in a beautiful location with bush all surrounding um, but it's not a place where you can just walk on the street and walk in so it's quite a private location so uh, to view it's either by appointment or to come along during public holidays when I usually have it open um, I'm going to try and have the space open during the summer a bit more but I usually um, post about that through Instagram is my best platform for posting or I'll do it also through signage and posters on the on the Waiheke Island um all people can just contact me and let me know that they're keen to come see it and I will definitely be there and have it open for them mm, how amazing um, I'd, love, I'd love to come out yeah you definitely should it's such an incredible space there's the views itself are breathtaking and then the art on top of it's great um, it is a path that I didn't expect myself to be on because I primarily just want to be an artist. As I've said, me being an artist by myself, just doing that for the rest of my life, I'm at peace. So doing yeah. something like this is cool. It, can, it brings a lot of anxiety and a, um, it's definitely pushing me. Uh, I push myself quite a lot, but it's doing something that makes me quite uncomfortable, but in a good way because I'm learning um, and I am good at talking about art with people I'm very good at that and good at showing art um hopefully I'm good at selling it <laughs> good on you for for heading into yeah. your you know out of your comfort zone like that yeah and then supporting artists at the same time yeah um yeah it's, it's been quite a cool experience um it's been just and an opportunity that I can share with others 
Mm. that these Shepherdsons have given me so many opportunities. So to be able to also share that with other people is, is it's like it's a never ending gift. It's really great. Yeah. They're really, really awesome is. people. It's yeah. such a such an incredible gift. And you obviously show your own work at the same time in these yeah. in these group shows. And yeah. do you have any um aspirations to be with a dealer gallery or with a gallery of some sort? Um I don't know. Um, if it happens, I'll think about it when it, if someone asks me and I'll think about it then. It's not not a priority of mine. I think because I've grown up and always been quite poor that um, although money is great and helps you keep creating because you can buy the materials, it's not like a priority of mine. I know even if I'm the poorest or the richest, I'm still going to be doing what I'm doing. Like I'm still going to be drawing circles. So I, it's not... It's not like I'm seeking to be represented. And I'm quite happy um, with Artful and what they do um, and being on there. So you can see my art on Artful's page. Yes, um, and I'll, I'll, put a link, I'll put a link to that on your blog post. Yeah, I'm quite happy with that because it's not too much pressure. It's just nice and easy. Uh, I mean... I don't know. I've never been represented by a dealer gallery, so I don't know what that'd be like. So I don't really have a lot of thoughts or opinions on it. If it happens, I'll think about it then. But yeah, it's not something I'm seeking. Mm, Very relaxed with just just painting. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And do you actually, just um, going back to your process, do you actually create more than one work at a time or do you start with one and finish? No, I've definitely got three large canvases that I'm working on right now. And they're all at different stages. I love working at, on different artworks at a time because mm, I mm. like working with different colors at a time. Yeah, And it depends on my mood if I feel like, yeah, working with the blue today or with the green today or so on. So yeah. good. And yeah. Yeah, it's just so, such a beautifully personal practice, mm-hmm. isn't it? And, it's, and mm-hmm. it's, you're giving so much of yourself through that oh, yeah. la- labor of love. Yeah. And it, it really shows. Thank you. <laughs> so should we get to the last questions? Can you believe yeah. it's that time already? Yeah. I think I know who your favorite artist is who's inspired yeah. your work, but can you tell us yeah, who your favorite artists I mean, and New Zealand artists are? Yeah. Definitely Yayu Kusama is my favorite artist. I'm obsessed with her. Um, I've read everything she's written. I follow her it's like crazy obsessed with her I uh, I don't think I discovered her until after I traveled overseas if I had discovered her a bit sooner I might have gone oh can we go there as well yeah <laughs> that's but, the list yeah <laughs> um I I really appreciate Yuki Summer. I think she's incredible um and Salvador Dali but he doesn't influence my art intensely I think I just I just enjoy um, the way that his art makes me feel. I really like that. It, it keeps reminding me why I'm an artist to make people feel that way. Um, and then favorite New Zealand artist that changes weekly. <laughs> um, at the moment, I'm I'm really enjoying John Reynolds. And that's mainly because he's a customer of Gordon Harris. And I think he's the loveliest guy in the world. Like he's just the loveliest artist. He's so down to earth. He's, he treats everyone as an equal. I just really appreciate it. It just, yeah. 
Mm. And you can almost see similarities in the way that he works and the way I work because he's he's using paint, but technically he's drawing. Mm. Um, same as me, I use mm. paint but, and painting, but in my mind I'm drawing and, and there's yeah. a lot of motions happening, especially if you think of that massive piece that was, I can't remember what it was called, but it was in Auckland Art Gallery. It was that big blue sheet of canvas where he did silver um it wasn't text it was tracking um like a map it was the idea was it was tracking Colin McCann when he got lost in a a park and that piece was incredible and you can almost see the intensity of repetition the way that I do it just in a different way I'd love to talk to John Reynolds maybe you need to have a chat to him next time you see him I'll tell him I'll tell him that you'd be king he's just the sweetest guy um and it, yeah, it's always nice to meet an artist who is just respectful and lovely to you because um, Auckland can be quite a scary, harsh place and people's opinions aren't always the nicest and I take that very personally. So it just always reminds me like, oh, there are really, really nice people out there. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know? so nice. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, he's a really cool guy. And I yeah, like cool. Peter Robertson. I, I like his works too. I love his mm. works. He's also yeah. a nice artist. He, him and John Reynolds are very similar personalities in my mind. Mm. They're very cool people. Same era yeah. too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what challenges do you face as a young artist? Um, I think personally my biggest challenge is um, whether I want to stay located in Auckland or not. That seems to be my biggest struggle this year. I think this year has been like an incredibly busy, incredible year for my art. Um, And I've been really busy and putting so much effort into it. But I don't know if Auckland is the place where I'm happiest. And I'm wondering how long do I have to um, endure living in Auckland until I can finally be in a place where I am happy and in a location because my surroundings have a lot to do with the way that I feel. Mm. And I love Auckland. I really do, but it's a very busy place. Um, People are incredible with business here. They're, They're very strong people, but I'm used to a very slow, slow pace. I'm used to people really listening to others. Um, a different type of community. So that's my pro that's probably my biggest challenge at mm. this very state stage in my life is where is it that I want to live? I mean, I could probably move anywhere in New Zealand and still be able to show art in Auckland and still be part of the Auckland art scene completely. Yeah, totally. Especially totally. with Artful being an online platform, it means that you're not limited to living in Auckland, which I that's think is right. great. And would um, you ever consider moving back to where you grew up? I probably I I think about it all the time. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know the answer yet. Um and then I also consider do I want to follow the tracks of Yuki Summer and just at 27, which would be me next year when she was 27, just like draw, sell everything and move over to New York and just <laughs> try that out. But yeah. I don't know, I don't know if I think I need a bit of time to to Mm. to summon up the bravery to do something like that you yeah. know that's a big well, leap you're but there's nothing stopping transition. me no yeah I'm in that transition right now in my life where I'm just like where do I want to be yeah uh, and, and you'll then work, I guess you'll work it out yeah 
yeah, I'll work it out. And I guess the other challenge for a young artist is money. I think every artist has that challenge, um, just money, affording the art supplies that you need to create art. And also mm. when you sell artists, it's an appreciation. Appreciation is a really, it goes a long way. Like it feeds you. Totally. Um, so that can also be a challenge is finding appreciation, but I don't think I'm lacking in that too much right now. So that's good. No. And it's, I mean, that's the hard thing too, isn't it? That your work could still be being appreciated, but you don't always hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly. hard. You know, that yeah. that can be that can be tough. And so you've got yeah. to just kind of keep driving from within and and mm-hmm. yeah, it is nice to get that feedback sometimes. Um, what would you say to your younger artistic self? Oh, I don't know because I read into things too much. I feel like no matter what I say, I'll be like, what does she mean by that? And then it'll haunt me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and I feel like I did pretty well. So to get to where I'm at now, yes, I feel absolutely. like I did pretty good without me saying anything to my younger self. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to say. If I was to say anything, I'd say I'm proud of you. Um, that's probably all I will be able to say, or, or just even, um, just every time that you're feeling a bit down, just take a second to look around you and notice all the things that you've achieved because coming from where I'm from, never once in my mind, in my, never once thought that I'd achieve the things that I've achieved so far at 26. I'm pretty proud of that, but I also need to recognize it every once in a while because I can quickly forget and get quite down and hard on myself um mm. so yeah taking a moment just to breathe look around myself and see all the stuff I've achieved yeah good on yeah. me you can say yeah and yeah. I think you are absolutely justified in saying that because thank I you. think you are a complete legend listening to your thank story thank you thank you honestly you know I yeah. just feel quite sort of I, I feel quite emotional about it really oh, listening to thanks. your story it's really yeah. lovely to hear um, no, I mean, it, was quite I, a, it was a different upbringing wasn't it it's a different it really was well, yeah, yeah I, and I'm, I'm so privileged like I can't express it enough I wouldn't change a single thing in my life uh, like even if I'm maybe sometimes angry at my childhood I'm still extremely grateful for it because I wouldn't be where I am without that and mm, that's right I I don't blame anyone for any pain or anything because, I mean, it makes this beautiful freaking art. They make really yeah. beautiful art through it. You so I absolutely feel very do. privileged, very yeah. privileged. And for you yeah. to be able to think like that and see everything through such a positive lens is, mm-hmm. you know, you've got that, you've obviously got a lot of strength in you and an amazing mind that you have been able to kind of, turn it around that way even though you might have your moments still and yeah and your art helps you with that sort of processing is so beautiful and I'm sure everyone listening will feel like I feel like they oh I hope so <laughs> they will feel privileged to hear the story because it yeah. is an incredible story and you know we have talked more about your childhood than maybe with some guests but it's so yeah. it's so informed the person you are today and the, and yeah. the work that you make and it's a oh, really yeah. important part of your story yeah, no, my personal yeah. life definitely drives my art 100%. It's just a way of coping. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, with that, Sarah, I would like to say thank you very, 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 very much for being oh. on the podcast. And I know how much you enjoy podcasts, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy listening to your episode. I back. hope so. 
very so. very therapeutic yeah and no, thank uh, you yeah. so much for having thank me you. this has been a really great opportunity i was very excited to do a podcast also super nervous to do it i hope listening back on that i'm I'm proud of what I've said because uh, that was a bit of a blur. It was a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to know what you actually said when yeah. you think back. Yeah. yeah but I'm not no, going to know what I truly said until I hear it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, you've done really well. It's been a pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>